Today's killer is unknown, but is responsible for one of the most infamous and well-known cases in the United States. Stay tuned to learn more about how a speed trap became a death trap due to the infamous I-70 killer. so much for tuning in. As you know, Haley and I are pretty new to podcasting. As a result, some audio in this episode is not as perfect as we would have preferred it to be. Our microphones we ordered are actually both defective, which not only makes me feel personally victimized that they both are defective, but I also think is a crock of crap. So we have ordered two new microphones and they should be in within the next week. So everything should be good for the next episode and hopefully everything will be a much better quality. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in and I hope that you enjoy. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome, guys. How's everyone doing this fine morning? Hope y'all are doing well. Ready for another true crime story? Yep, with the wonderful weather here in Indiana. Just kidding. Um, I'm pretty sure it snowed this week. Yep, we love snow in April. It's a great time. Truth be told, we're actually filming this in advance, um, and it's supposed to snow this week. So if it doesn't? I guess we're just like the weather people who get to predict it does and it doesn't. Yay. And get paid lots of money to do so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) As they should, I guess. It's fine. But anyways, welcome back. Um, There's a couple things to check off our checklist, you know, just... Got a good old checklist like any normal podcaster, I guess. Thank you, everyone, for all the support last episode. It honestly overachieved every expectation we had. It really did. Warms our heart. Made our entire week. Oh, yeah. We were all we were on cloud nine for I can't even tell you how long. We were just so overjoyed with the response from so many people that we know and don't know. So it was wonderful. Thank you guys so very Thank much. Thank you so much. Hopefully you guys continue to enjoy the podcast and hopefully you guys you continue to stick around. We would love to continue making these because we just honestly are doing it for fun, 1000%. So yep, just doing it to pass the time, spend some time with each other and spend some time with you guys. Yep. And you know, everyone loves a good old hobby. We love a good hobby, whether it's painting or for some people puzzling, you know, we love puzzling. What <laughs> of us do <laughs> could not be me. Well, I mean, technically, crime is kind of like a puzzle. So technically, you kind of do like to do puzzles. So true, very loosely true, but still true. Mm-hmm. It's on the money. We're good. Um, also, um, just a quick apology for the audio last episode. As you know, and as you knew, if you listen to the last episode, there was a little minute section. I don't even think it was a minute. I think it was like thirty seconds. Kind of like apologizing for the issues that it wasn't as perfect as would have expected it to be but hopefully this episode it is a lot better um at least on my end it should be um and hopefully it will be all good to go um i think the longer we do this and the more we do it the more perfect and more fine-tuned we'll get it because we both are definitely perfectionists and we don't like it when there's issues hate it so 
hate it. Uh, it's actually the bane of my existence. I will sit and wait for 30 minutes in, for example, make Haley unplug an adapter and plug it back in. So, um, and Haley will want to yeet herself. But anyways, um, I hit a bird yesterday. You hit a bird? Great times. A bird. Yes. Yesterday? An actual bird. Yes. And today, actually. When? On the way to Auburn? Don't remember that. Where was I? <laughs> Sweetie doesn't recall. I went, oh, crap. And you went, huh? And then something else happened. I don't recall. But today, I'll for sure hit a bird also. Um, I think that they're just attracted to my vehicle for some reason. Mm, maybe you're just... Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm cursed. <laughs> Honestly, I'm going to say it. I had a swan one time, like an actual swan. It was a swan or a goose. I'm pretty sure it's a swan. Love the story. Um, don't worry. I checked to make sure after I hit it. This was several years ago when I first got my license that it wasn't one of the endangered kind. So don't come for me. Um, I can't tell you what kind it was anymore, but like, don't handle me. Um, and I did check though, and it wasn't one of the endangered kind. Um, and I was just driving along, you know, as one does driving. My mother was in the passenger seat and a goose or swan. I'm pretty sure it was a swan though, flies into the road and I run over it and its neck literally like went over the front end of my car and it stared into my literal soul. I've never been so traumatized. And I, I cried. I was like, oh my gosh. And I asked my mom if they had children. And you know what she said, Haley? What'd she tell you? Lots of them. Not all of the babies, John. That's exactly what she said. I love your mother. Me too, but that was just cruel. That was funny. So ever since then, the week after, I think I hit a cardinal. We love our state bird. Rest in peace. Um, and then a couple weeks later, I think I hit a couple more birds. And ever since then, they just love my car. Like one time, one of them kind of like slanted onto my windshield and like landed there for a minute, took a quick fiber, a little quick fiber. And then was like, okay, I'm ready to keep going. I'm like, I think I'm first. I think the swan did it. Could be, could be. But I think we all have hit animals in our lives, whether it's cats or whether it's yeah, just all of us have, especially here in Indiana, we always have to watch for deer. So if you've ever hit an animal in your span of living and driving, just go ahead and let me know on social media. Let me know if you've also hit a swan. I'm curious. Yeah, let's get that. You can check us out on Do's and Donuts, Twitter. What? I said, yeah, let's get that swan gang going. Yeah, let's get the swan gang going. I'm literally here for that. Or just bird gang. That also works too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would work. Um, listen, I think it's kind of funny that both of our um, crazy things that have happened for the week, we've been with each other. Um, I just had to go to the after hours clinic this week. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, because she's got a dent in her head from Lord knows what. It's honestly just God's will at this point. Like, who knows? Yeah, and the doctor was trying to tell me I was just born with it. Oh my gosh. If you didn't know this, I am a bio major on a pre-PA track. Um, and, you know, I am just a bio major. But like, you know, sometimes I just kind of know things. And 
my guess was that it was something. And then the doctors in there, just tell them what they told you both times they came in. Because she had to get a referral from another physician. Yeah. Um, so the doctor came in and she was like, do you have any pain? And I was like, mm, when you touch it, it like hurts and it like makes my head pound. And so she's digging all up in there. She's really hurting me, actually. <laughs> and um, she just kind of looks at me and she goes, are you sure you weren't born with this? Um, well, ma'am. No, this isn't maybe it's Maybelline, lady. She wasn't born with it. I was like, um, ma'am, I've been alive for 20 years and never once have I noticed a dent in my head. So then she called in another doctor and the doctor was like, no, yeah, I think you're just born with it. My mother has no recollection. to watch it. She watched it. Even though the nurse and the front desk lady all thought that it also was what I thought it was. So like. Yeah, the only thing, the only thing I'm going to watch is the um, money coming out of my wallet to pay for them to just tell me it was. I was born with it. Sweetie was not born this way. We love Lady Gaga in this house. No, we don't. Don't cancel me for that. At least in this house, since we're recording it in different households at the moment. Because if you didn't know, we do this separately. Um, we do love Lady Gaga in this house. Yes, in Jonathan's house, we do love Lady Gaga. In Haley's house, she is tolerated. A disrespect. You're going to be attacked by little monsters. I mean, don't cancel me. I love her. She's a queen. It's bound to happen sometime. Might as well get it out of the gate. All of our 19 followers. True. All righty, guys. Well, let's get into the gig. Okay, Haley, let's go. Excuse me, sir. Do not rush me. Not rushing anyone. Okay. So this one's going to be a long one, everybody. So please. Get comfortable, grab two donuts. If you're already done with one, grab another one. Go get you a Trenta pink drink. Love a Trenta pink drink in this house. Get you a Trenta pink drink, light ice, because you're going to need all the liquid you can get. Okay, so this week, if all of our little sleuths were smart enough to figure out, the person we're talking about is the I-70 killer. As we should. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the I-70 killer is an unidentified American serial killer um, who killed six store workers in the Midwest in 1992. So me being a Midwesterner scared me to my core. Um, but hey, so he got his name because he would kill people. For those of you who don't know, Interstate 70 runs through Utah, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Illinois, our lovely state of Indiana, Ohio, as it should, West Virginia, West Virginia, um, Pennsylvania, and Maryland. Um, so the killer, he had a type, as you do. As most serial killers do with Dagmar, we all know what she was. And if you don't, go back to last week's episode and figure it out. 
Um, yeah. As you should. But this killer's um, type were young, petite, and brunette women. Now, when I tell you that I have never been more blessed to be considered plus size, I mean it. Um, sweetie would not have attacked me. Excuse me. He wouldn't have attacked me. Um, after he would kill these women, he would rob their stores for a few hundred dollars, which he robbed specialty stores. So like really how much money was, did he think he would, was going to get? Okay. This might be considered a stupid question. Sure. But what do you mean by specialty stores? What I mean by specialty stores is they weren't like name brand like stores. They were like small stores owned by people, like other people, like stores you find oh, anywhere. Like small town businesses? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a specialty. That's just rude. I know. Like they're really, they're really. Like you couldn't do the Walmart. Like that's not going to hurt them. Well, I mean. Yeah, it's not going to hurt them, but, like, he also liked to kill people where he knew there would only be one person in the store at a time, and he could, like, get away. Oh, okay. I see. It was easier for him to just do specialty stores. Okay, so enough about his background and who he kills and stuff. Let's just talk about the victims. Let's jump right into them. Um... Just fair warning, with every victim, I did try to go back and find their backstory just so we can kind of get to know a little bit about them and what they did and what they were about before they died. As we should. Mm -hmm. So, our first murder took place on April 8th, 1992 in Indy. Um, Shout out to my family who lives in Indy. Shout out to Miss Ashley Flowers in Indy. We love her in this house. We love Ashley Flowers. Um, but this was no Ashley Flowers. Her name was Robin Faldor. Robin was 26 years old and was the manager at a Payless shoe source. So not just Payless. I love Payless. It was like a combination of like Payless and shoe sensation, you know? As one does. Yes. Um, Robin's family described her as intelligent and a kind soul. And actually on the day of April 8th, Robin wasn't scheduled to work, but her coworker had called in sick. But because Robin and the other coworker were on- the only two full-time employees, because here in Indiana, if it's past the time of like four, you've just got a whole bunch of high school kids who are running the show. You know what I mean? So, of course. Yeah, especially at like Walmart. Yeah. So, of course, Robin had to fill in because she was the only other option. The killer saw that she was the only person in the store at the time that he was there and just knew this is the girl I want. This is who I want to go for. And he proceeded to walk into the store shoot Robin in the back of the head and then rob the like rob her drawer um and then um excuse me yeah he literally just walked up in there shot her in the back of the head and left yep and left without a trace which to me I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you the whole thing bugs me because if you're gonna kill somebody at least like have the guts to like look them in the face you know what I mean 
Yeah, I just don't understand like why it was so necessary of him to make sure that she wasn't looking. Like I know that maybe it's because like don't create a fuss, but like it's almost like that's not even like like that person meant nothing to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like most serial killers are psychopaths, but like so like I mean I can understand that. But like I don't know. That's just disgusting to me yeah. personally. Um but luckily luckily there is this man named Jeff Meyer Rose who saw the man that went into the store and he described this man as man in a green jacket. So if you saw that on our Instagram as a clue, that is how this all ties into our clue. The killer was showing suspicious behavior. Jeff stated that he saw the man repeatedly circling the building before sitting on the curb across the street from the building. And then the man remained on the curb for a half an hour, just staring into the store. I'm sorry, but this man's was literally stalking his prey. Mm -hmm. And not a single soul thought, hey, let me go make sure that girl in there, like, she's good. Or like, call the authorities to have them come do a check. Yeah. Not a single one. Why not? Why did someone have to be like, oh, yeah, I saw a guy standing outside that street. Wow. Like, thank you so much. You're so kind. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. Like, and how was anyone supposed to know? Like, okay, yeah, this man's was actually standing outside on that curb. Like, he could just be like, yeah, I saw him. I just don't get it. I don't. Jeff also said that he saw the man talking to himself and giggling. He thought he was on drugs. Which totally isn't unplausible, especially for someone like the I-70 killer. But like, I don't know. Did they check the like validity of his story to other witnesses? Or was he kind of just the only witness and they just kind of took his word for it? He He was the only witness that witnessed this one. And so they just kind of took his word for it, you know? Seems fishy to me. Oh, for sure. But um, this information was not enough for the investigators to give them any leads. Like anybody could be wearing a green jacket and possibly do drugs. I just don't see someone as obviously, because as like most people know, so this isn't a secret, like the X-70 killer has not been caught. So like, I don't foresee someone with this amount of obvious knack for this and like horrible skill, literally disgusting skill, just standing outside a store for an hour or two, talking to himself, having himself a little powwow session. You know what I mean? I don't foresee that being something that he avidly does on the regular. You know what I mean? Because someone would notice more people would see him and more people would be like, who's that creepy guy? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He would have been caught way before now. Yeah. There was some, I don't, I don't know how I want to word it. I don't want to say discrepancies because it's not really what it was, but Robin's family believed that the police would have had suspects to go off of if the Payless shoe source actually had cameras on the inside of the building because they did not have any type of security 
Okay, wait. Payless, okay, so all of them are closed now, but like previously in life, it was a very large chain store. And you're going to tell me that like it wasn't, they didn't install security cameras? It wasn't one of the big, pay, it wasn't technically even a Payless. I think it was just called Payless out of like, I don't know, mere coincidence. It was just a tiny okay. shop that didn't have cameras. But even then, I thought most stores had cameras that you could for that. Well, there are smaller stores that don't, especially in Midwest America. We've all seen those weird gas stations in the middle of nowhere that you have no choice to go to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, they're not going to have a camera. They don't foresee any bad things to happen to them in their shop. You know what I mean? Because everyone in their community, besides the people who are just passing through, they know each other. They're there for each other. You know what I mean? If someone breaks in their shop, they're going to notice. Someone will notice. You know what I mean? So like, I can see why maybe that is the case. It surely isn't the case in the town now, I'm sure. But like, and especially in these days where surveillance is so accessible. But like, I just, that still bothers me that like, and the fact that it's kind of close to the Payless name, I'm not ripping them a new one. <laughs> Payless, you're lucky. Mm. Um, Robin's family believed that the store was at fault for why Robin got murdered. Robin's family, however, believed that the Payless shoe source was at fault and believed they were the reason why she got murdered. How would they make the store at fault? Because she had to go into work, because there was no surveillance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, one, it wasn't their fault that someone called in, and that is the way that a business works. And two, it isn't their fault that the surveillance didn't, like, yes, they would have been able to catch the killer, but that wouldn't have stopped him from completing. Yeah. You know what I mean? If that's what he set his mind to do that day, especially with someone like him, he would have done so. So I can understand why they're looking for someone to blame but I just don't think that it's the store owner's fault. I don't. They didn't foresee that for her that day. No one did. Yeah, I agree with you. And so did the Indiana Department of Labor when they cleared the business of any wrongdoing. Yeah, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing that happened to her and her family. And it's really, it's, I just can't even imagine. But I just don't think that the Payless store, it just, I just don't. I don't. Yeah. Well, the I-70 killer would strike again on April 11th in Wichita, Kansas, which is 10 hours from the last murder. So it was 10 hours away from Indianapolis. So he drove 10 hours. So he drove 10 hours, like, did it happen within like the same time frame also and everything? Yeah, or like, was he it just was three days after he murdered Robin that he drove the 10 hours? So he drove from Indy to Wichita. Mm-hmm. And where did this one happen? Um, this one happened at a bride, a bridal boutique, actually. Yeah. So 
So shoes and dress. Oh, yeah. So on April 11th, he drove to Wichita, where he met his two victims by the names of Patricia Smith and Patricia Magers. So wait, so he he's even done somewhere it's more than one person at a time. Yes. But See, I always thought he always just did one. I'm gonna get into that. But let's let's talk about the backstory of the two Patricias. Um, because they are both named Patricia, I am just going to use their last names so nobody gets confused on which one I'm talking about. I'm already confused, so that's perfect. (laughs) So Patricia Smith was 23 and worked with the other Patricia at La Bride de Elegant. As they should. Smith had just gotten married only nine months before she was murdered. And she had previously studied nursing at Wichita State University and had dreamed of working in pediatrics. Patricia Magers, on the other hand, was 32 and the owner of the bridal shop. Her and her husband actually had just bought the shop the year before she was murdered. And she was described as loving to work with her customers and she loved helping making their special day just a little bit more special. On the night of April 11th, the women had decided to keep the shop open past six. So normally the shop would close at 6 p.m. I hate that. I hate it. That's literally like, I wish that, you know, the movie, The Minutemen. Yeah. On Disney Channel, um, um, early Gen Zers who might be listening probably don't, but we're not quite the latest late Gen Zers, but we're like, we're close, you know. Um, love that movie. So good. I literally wish that I could just pop right into that movie and be like, hi, take a fiver. I'm cutting in and yeet myself back into things like that. I'm like, no, sweetie, you're closing on time. Congratulations. Head on out we're leaving, we're going to Olive Garden. You know what I mean? Like, we're getting chicken gnocchi soup and chicken Alfredo. As we should. As we should. As we should. But they just, because both of the Patricias were such wonderful women, they decided to keep the bridal shop open for a man who was there to pick up a cummerbund for his wedding, who said he could not be there until 6 p.m. If you tell me that this man is the guy who wanted the cummerbund, I'm going to lose my mind. Because that's some premeditative tendencies and I'm not here for it. Well, would you like the answer to that? Or do you just want to keep going? Okay. Just keep going. Let her simmer for a minute. Give it a good old fiver, you know. So a little past 6 p.m., a man walked into the shop and the women thought, this is the guy who's coming to pick up the cummerbund. Great, we can finally go home. They've probably had a long day and they're ready to head out. This was not the man who was there to pick up the cummerbund. 
Oh, so it wasn't the man. That's almost worse. That's like almost worse. You know what I mean? Like I just the girls thought that like they thought that it was though, but it wasn't. So the man turned out to be the killer and shot one of the women in the back of the head. Didn't really say which one. But he didn't realize that the other one was in the back of the store. Packing up, getting ready to leave. So he didn't go in there thinking. That there was two people. Exactly. When he heard the other Patricia rustling around, he shot her in the back of the head as well. He went to the back, shot her in the back of the head, robbed their till their drawer again. But this time, he came. I honestly no. I want you. Are you prepared for this? Yes, I'm as prepared as I'll ever be. When he went to leave, the man that was there to pick up the cummerbund showed up and came face to face with the I-70 killer. Is he alive? Yes, he was able to escape and call the police and give the police a composite sketch of the man. Okay. So that's how you can really tell that this man has a type. Because in all case scenarios, that man should not be alive if you really dig deep and think about it. Thank God he's alive. What? Yeah. And well. The killer was able to get away before the guy, the police ever got there. So he was gone before the police got there, but at least... Of course, he hopped on I-70 yeah. and he was yeeting down the road. But at least they got a good composite, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, that was already, like, miles further than they had been for yeah. forever, you know what I mean? But that was a good segue into his next murder about him having a type. Because this time... On April 27th, Michael McCowan would be shot in his mother's ceramic store. So not a female this time, but a male. I wonder if it, did, he, did they look in, because he looked like the guy from the Cumberbund shop, like the thrift shop? No, actually. Because I was like, maybe that's like the one that got away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Michael or Mick, as they called him, McCowan, was described as a good man. He played guitar in a couple of bands. He had a big grin and loved helping his mother with her shop and doing anything that he needed, she needed him to do. But he was known mostly for having long brown hair, which he would often wear in a ponytail. So he thought that it was a girl because he shot from behind. Yes. So in that one, oh, sorry, no, go ahead. And two, 
<laughs> so this man shot someone solely based on the fact that they had a long brown ponytail. Yes. Well, someone called the BAU because he has a type. Yes. So when the killer walked in to Sylvia's Ceramics in Terre Haute, Indiana. Not Terre Haute. Oh, my gosh. Which is nine hours from Wichita, Kansas, which is where both of the Patricias were killed. And it's very close to Indianapolis. Yes. So he is really moving all over the map and driving all over God's green earth. Going right back and forth. So the killer walked into the ceramic store, thought he saw a young woman with brunette hair, and shot them in the back of the head and robbed them and left without a trace. So he thought Mick was a man because when he walked in, he was bent down looking at a shelf, had his hair pulled back in a ponytail. And he always had an earring in his ear. So, of course, it makes sense. So he's making all these assumptions. That. Assuming that there's only one person in the shop. Assuming that that person is a male. I mean. Oh, assuming that that one person is a woman. Like. I, I know that he always leaves without a trace. I know this or the other. But to me, that sounds kind of messy. You know what I mean? Like. How does he continuously keep doing this? And like, I just, I don't know. It sounds messy to me because it's not consistent. It's not consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's very random. I understand. But he wouldn't let the fact that he just killed a man stop him. And he would kill again on May 4th. This time... May the fourth be with you. Not Star Wars. I'm sorry, but we love Star Wars in this house. None. The great saga. Can we? So you don't like Avatar the Last Airbender or Star Wars? Nope. Anyways. The I-70 killer would kill again in St. Charles, Missouri, which is three hours from Terre Haute. This man needs a better hobby than driving down this stupid road. I agree. And he needs to pick up painting, paint the road. His victim this time would be Nancy Kitzmiller, who worked at Boot Village. He has a thing for shoes. I'm telling you. Shoes? That's so weird. What is his issue with shoes? This ain't no shoe show, sweetie. Like, come on. What is your issue? Nancy was a line dancing fanatic who had just bought her own pickup truck with the money she made on her own. Her parents, Don and Carol, said that Nancy had just recently graduated from Oklahoma State University with a degree in geography. 
Nancy had gone into geography. Nancy had gone into work to open the store at noon. And by 2:30, her body was found. She was found shot in the head, having the till robbed. I just don't understand. Okay. So like he has a road, a singular road. He has a type, a specific type. How has this man not been caught yet? They even have a composite sketch. Yeah. Do they know if he has been caught yet and they just don't know it's him or like, you know what I mean? Because that happens, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't really know. There's some things that we'll get into that like they think he hasn't been caught yet. We'll get into that. But as far as I found, they like I even have a couple of like suspects that I'm going to talk to you about that they. Has there been one recently? Like any recent? There hasn't been any past. 2000. So maybe he could have passed away from old age even, you know what I mean? Or he was well, arrested and he's in jail. When, like before I tell you about the suspects, I'm going to give you the composite sketch of kind of like what happened and how old he was when he did this. So you can kind of okay. gauge. I'm just basically jumping the gun, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just like, good morning, I'm here, I'm ready for the answer, Hold you know? Versus slow your roll because I have to talk about his last murder and then we will get to that. So, his last murder would take place on May 7th in Raytown, Missouri, which is only three hours from St. Charles, Missouri. So, at least he wasn't driving 10 hours back and forth. Yeah, sweetie was helping global warming, those greenhouse emissions, you know, getting pretty rough on our planet. He was just looking out for the planet, you know, Mm -hmm. doing that good old Earth Day thing you know honey needed a tesla that's what he needed not in the 1980s they wouldn't have that there in the 1990s they wouldn't have that well definitely not this murder would take place in a gift shop owned by a woman named sarah blessing sarah embraced everything from health food metaphysics do you know what metaphysics is? Um, I feel like that it has to do with like philosophy and like the nature of reality and like something that has to do with like, I don't know, like cause of identity, like time, that kind of thing. Like it's very like conceptual based, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But like, don't quote me. Okay. Well, she loved metaphysics and gardening. Although, here's a fun fact about Sarah that I kind of thought was very interesting. She was not a big sports fan, but she did work on the 1988 Final Four Committee for the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament in Kansas City. How she should. Mm -hmm. She was also happily married with a cat and a dog. Sarah was enjoying her day at the gift shop when the killer came in. And started in with his usual routine. And by this time, I don't need to tell you what the routine is. You already know. However, the man 
who was in the store next to Sarah's store, saw the killer go into Sarah's shop, heard a loud pop, and saw the killer leap. Did he call 911? He did. In fact, he went over to make sure that Sarah was okay and found her body on the floor. And then he looked out the window to see if he could find the killer and saw the killer fleeing up the hill. Up what? Up a hill because the store was off of I-70 and there was like a hill. So does this man just leave his car off the side of I-70 and then go back to it? Yeah. Okay, Dora the Explorer. I'm sorry, but there is absolutely that just is not what he just leaves his car. He picks a little spot, a little like little side off, like you know, a little parking spot. You know, he makes it for himself. You know, puts out his little plaque that says "I-70 Killer," and he just gets out of his car, walks. Walk his happy butt into town as he pleases, even though he shouldn't be. That's not as you should. That is not. No, don't do it. And then, then he flees the scene via foot and he still has not been caught. Okay. How confident does one person have to be to be able to do all of these things? Drive the same road, drive this. Like, how does he know that he's not going to be caught? You know what I mean? I know that serial killers, especially people in his position, I mean, look at Dagmar. She didn't think that she was going to be caught. She left all that and all of it in there. And if you don't know what I'm referring to at this point, please go back to our last episode. But like, you know, like, how do people continuously just assume that they are above the law and that they can do that? And why would he just know? Because they all have to have a reason. They're all narcissists. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, what's his reason? He knows I can flee and run up this hill and no one's going to see me. Like, do you have, are you in camouflage? Are you in a ghillie suit? Like, they just, and how did he find his car? Like, I don't, I'm not very stupid. You know what I mean? But like, sweetie's forgetful, especially on where they parked their car. You know what I mean? We all, if we didn't have our iPhones or smartphones that let us know of our park location when we get out of the car, sometimes we wouldn't find our car or if we don't have Teslas that we can summon whenever we have a chance, you know what I mean? Like, how does this man's... I just can't. I can't help him. Well, the owner of the next store was able to give a description of the man, which meant that now... As he should. Now the police had two composite sketches that were very similar to each other. And they could begin to compile a list of about what they knew about the murders and the suspects. Because, like, no one knows if these were a part of his. Right. Like, it's just conceptual, like, hypothetical. It's technically a hypothesis until proven true, yes. basically. Um, so, at first, the cases were not tied together, but then the investigators noticed that all of the murders had been committed with a 22 caliber firearm, that the victim pool was the same. And noticed that all the victims in the store were alone or thought to be alone, shot in the back of the head. And then they realized, you know, 
this is all not a coincidence. This is the same person committing all of these crimes. Is it the same gun each time? Like same bolt, like, you know what I mean? Or is it the, is it like, you know what I mean? Like, can they link the bullets to one another? I'm not a gun person. So I don't know if that was a stupid question. John, I love your enthusiasm. And that is my next sentence that I'm going to get ready to tell you. Oh, so someone call me Raven Simone, I guess. <laughs> Investigators. Raven's home. Yeah. <laughs> Investigators started with the type of weapon that he used. They suspected the weapon could have been an Intratech Scorpion pistol or an Irma Wirt. ET 22 pistol. I don't know what any of that means. (laughs) I don't know either, and I don't plan to. But then they found out that the the ammunition used was a 22 caliber CCI copper lead bullets. For all four of them? Yes. Okay, so like, is that like a rare thing? Like, I just don't know what bullets are made out of, I guess. Um, I don't know if it's rare, but what was rare about the bullets was that it was rubbed with jeweler's rouge. All of them were? All of them were. And for those of you who don't know, jeweler's rouge is used to polish the feed ramp on a semi-automatic, and it will allow the bullet to slide into the chamber easier. So they kind of concluded that whoever this killer was knew a lot about guns because not very many people would do this. Did they ever think that like he was like a hitman? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but who would hire? I don't know. I'm just looking for plausible explanations. But like, because I don't know if Jewelers Rouge is like a popular thing. That sounds sketchy to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know, yeah. like that has to be someone who is a sophisticated gunsman or marksman. Is that the word? I don't know. Mark. But like, yeah. mark, um, like, I just, that's just odd to me as a person who isn't influential in guns. So, yeah. Yeah. I guess if anyone is, let us know, you know, but like, yeah, please inform us. We're weird not. To me. Please inform us. You can go to our website that's linked all over our social medias and send us a message and we will include it in our next episode. If you want us to, like, just let us know if you know anything about that kind of stuff because we would gladly love to hear your explanation. The investigators moved on from the weapons to what the killer looked like. So they compared his composite sketch and this is what they gathered. The killer is described as having been in his 20s or 30s. Really young. Yeah. He was anywhere from 5'7 to 5'9. He was described as thin, having lazy eyelids, 
and sandy blonde or reddish hair in 1992. So it could have changed now. He was neatly dressed and clean cut and was described as walking around as if he were in a trance. Oh, so that was twice now. And believed to be from the Indianapolis area. Of course, it's Indianapolis. Um, furthermore, so that's twice that people said that they saw him walking in like, did the guy spend, how would he be walking trance like up a hill? Because I don't know if it was him, but you have to remember that the guy that was sitting outside of the, or that was around the Payless shoe source said he was giggling and looked like he was on drugs. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the man who saw him leave from the bridal shop probably noticed the same thing. Yeah. I mean, and you probably would be in it. So basically, he's off his meds and he needs some is what I'm hearing. Yes. But because of these composite sketches, the investigators were able to put a couple of suspects on a list that they called into question. And I've got two of them that we're going to talk about. So the first one is Herb Baumeister. Okay. Herb is from Westfield, Indiana. Of course he is. Which is for, I don't know if you know how far that is, but that's two hours away from where you and I live. Oh, so. It's close to the Indian in area. Direction? Indian area? I, I believe so. Why don't they just go eat some popcorn and some corn or something? Like, why do they got to go? It'll be like the rest of us. Oh, yeah. Westfield is right outside of Carmel. Right outside of Carmel. It's we north love- of Carmel. We love the bougie community of Indiana. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be us? We're out here. In the boonies. With the, we're in the boonies, if you're comparing us to Carmel. But we are better than some other spots. Oh, for sure. So... No offense to any part of Indiana. We love you all equally. No, we don't. But like, just we'll say we do, but we don't. And we'll just have a mutual agreement, you know? Mm. As we said, you know? Mm -hmm. The investigators believed Herb to be a good suspect when numerous human bones were discovered on his property. But unfortunately, the bones that were found on his body or on his property were those of men only. Oh, so he was still killing people, unfortunately, with his disgusting behavior. But it was they he wasn't linked to the I-70 killer. No. Bowmeister was suspected of only killing homosexual men. Excuse me? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> but 
he later reasons why we don't love all parts of Indiana. Um, he later committed suicide and was ruled out as a suspect because you can't question anybody who's dead. Dead. So. Disgusting behavior. Yeah. In both parties. The next one was a man named Donald Albin Bloom. Donald had killed Kathleen Prohr and a second unknown victim. He was considered a suspect due to his owning of a 22 semi-automatic, which would add up with the 22 that the I-70 killer used to commit his murders. Yeah. But after that, it doesn't really say whether or not he was ruled out. Where was he from? It didn't tell me. I couldn't find anything on that. I'm sure he's from the Indiana area. His name was Donald Bloom. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was Kathleen, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, he's from Minnesota. We love a good Minnesota. Yeah. We do love a good Minnesota. Isn't that where the Mall of America is? I don't know. When you when you said that, I thought you were going to ask me if that's where the Vikings were from, and I was going to tell you yes, but you didn't well, ask me that. <laughs> like I know what the Vikings are, like um, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, yes, the Mall of America is in Bloomington, Minnesota. Mm. As you should, Minnesota. I love that it's in Bloomington because Indiana also has a Bloomington. Coincidence? Probably. Maybe. So why don't I think that this man's is from Indiana? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, most of us are crazy. But like, are we that crazy? I don't know if they think maybe it would make more logical sense that He was from Indiana, maybe because he first murdered in Indiana. So he's going to start somewhere where he's comfortable with. But why would he drive 10 hours to commit another murder? Yeah. And then why would he, of all places, I just, he could have done it anywhere else on I-71 first and it just wasn't linked properly. Exactly. You know what I mean? I did think that the issue with this whole investigation was that they put all their eggs in one basket. But they really They're like, oh, he's from Indiana. Basket. Trust me. Yeah, they did. Yeah. It's just, I don't understand. There had so many things going for these investigators. And it's almost like they failed on every end of the spectrum. Which is very, very disappointing. 
I just don't know. Like, why would you assume that he's from Indiana? Why would he drive 10 hours away? And then furthermore, that doesn't, like, I need to look at what I-70, like, which way it spans to. Like, that's not even the middle part of I-70. And you telling me that Donald was from Minnesota wouldn't even line up because Minnesota, I-70 doesn't run through Minnesota. Yeah. So, like, why would they even consider him? Obviously, if this is going to be someone who is a avid person who travels I-70, they most likely live by it. You know what I mean? They're not going to just one day willy-nilly decide, like, look at a map and go. They're going to be like us who's like, oh, I've never looked at the full length of I-70 before. Like, let me look at it. You know what I mean? They're not going to be like that. They're not going to have an epiphany. They're going to know I-70 is what it is. And they're going to know about it because they grew up near it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Unless they did, which, like, I... I'm not an expert. Don't take my word for it. But like, just logically speaking from a normal person, that's my perspective. I had no idea. I grew up in Indiana and I didn't realize that there was so many things linked to Indy by it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that just goes to show a lot, like depending on where you grow up, that's very imperative. You know what I mean? Especially on the people like that. You know what I mean? They're influenced by things that normally wouldn't influence a normal person. So like. That just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. Um, After these two, the investigators still felt that they had no strong suspects and believed that... I wonder why. And believed that the killer was still out there. Mm, Is he... Is he really... Yes, because their point was proven... In 1993, when two murders occurred in Texas. In Texas? Yes, there were two murders in Texas in 1993 and an attempted murder in 1994. Does the, does I-70 even go to Texas? No, it does not. Honey, that's why I'm telling you, that's why I'm telling you before you even say anything and before you ask me questions, before I can tell you about this case, that they really put their eggs all in one basket. The victims in Texas were Marion Glassick, who was 51 and was killed on September 5th, 1993 in Fort Worth at the Emporium Antique Store. I couldn't find any background about her. Personally, this is going to sound terrible, but I don't think she's connected, so I didn't really dig deep into her. Yeah, I don't know how. So the I-70 killer is the I-70 killer, which spans from the Rocky Mountain area to Utah. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're telling me that this man lives in Indiana, allegedly, allegedly. Likes I-70 for some reason. Then he goes all the way to the end of it in Utah. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go to Texas. 
Why would he deviate from his plan? Exactly. Why would he deviate from his? He's been doing the same thing for four times, allegedly now. You know what I mean? Allegedly. Probably many more that we don't know about. And he goes to Texas one day. Is he vacationing? Vacationing? Austin? And I'm confused because I just don't understand why and when they decided that that it made sense for him to go to Texas and that it was okay to link them. Like, what was the evidence that it was him? Was it just the gun? If you let me get to the rest of my story, Mm -hmm. I tell you. Yes. I'm trying. Amy. His next victim was Amy Vess. She was 22 when she was shot to death in a dance apparel store in Arlington on November 1st, 1993. On January 15th, 1994, Vicki Webb was the only surviving victim of, in Texas, was shot at the Alternatives gift shop. She was able to talk to her shooter before he shot her in the back of the head. So there's a connection. He shot her in the back of the head. Yes. But that's very weird that she was able to speak to him. Well, the bullet didn't penetrate into Vicky's head because it hit a large vertebrae. And he tried to shoot her again, but the gun misfired. And he left thinking that she died um all of those things thank god one that she's okay oh yeah um but like two all of those things don't sound like our guy they said that he was an experienced marksman why would his gun misfire and then why would he not shoot again after it misfire yeah because Obviously, he carried more than, like, one one or two bullets. If he took the time to dust them with jewelry rouge or jeweler's rouge or is that what it's called? Yeah, jeweler's rouge. He's going to load more than a singular bullet. He's very narcissistic, obviously, since he likes to climb up hills to get back to his car. Um, But not that narcissistic that he thinks that he... What I just, I just, I, what I just don't buy that personally. I mean, at the end of the day, they are the experts. So, I mean, like, if they think so, I mean, like, I'll go along with it. But, like, I don't buy it. Can I tell you why? This is just the, the only investigators who are convinced that the, these two, like, cases are connected are the Midwest investigators. The Texas investigators sounds like the Midwest. They're probably just like, it's not us. It's going to be us. It's not us. The Texas investigators do not believe that. They're like, like, they're like, excuse me, why would he come all the way from this I-70, which we don't even, haven't even heard of, could it be us, and drive his happy up down here to Texas? Like, no, I just don't. Like, it's such a Midwest thing to be like, oh yeah, Texas, that's our guy. Like, could it be that guy? The Midwest investigators believed the killings are connected 
because of the modus operandi. And for those of you who don't know, what? why are you laughing? I cannot believe they are connected because of the modus operandi. Tell the people what the modus operandi is who do not know. Will do. The modus operandi is a particular way or method of doing something, especially one that is a certain characteristic or well-established. Okay. Um, what is well-established in this case? Um, first off, I-70, which is me his name. Telling me? I'm just telling the people in the back who may have not been paying attention. Um, so, established things. He likes brunette hair. He drives I-70. He's crazy and likes to drive in a trance. Um, and not drive, excuse me, walk in a trance. Thank God he's not driving in a trance. Unless he is, then I don't know. Um, parks his car miles away and then climbs up a hill, you know. Like, all of these things, though, I-70. He's called the I-70 killer or the green-hooded guy, you know. Was there a green hood or was there a link to I-70 in this case, Haley? No, there was not. Oh. Then unfortunately, Midwesterners of Indiana who think that this is linked, I regret to inform you that I don't think it was. Well, the Midwest investigators were so... They just thought that it had to be. They had to be linked. That they made... They had the guns go through a ballistics test. No, they did not. Yes, they did. Oh my gosh, those poor Texans. They did not deserve that. The test later revealed that the gun was not the same and could not be tied to the I-70 killings. Texas, I'm sorry, sweetie. It wasn't my fault, but I'm sorry. I cannot believe that they wasted not only our tax dollars, but Texas's tax dollars on such a easy, I'm I'm a biology major for Lord's sake. You know what I mean? Like it it didn't took me what, maybe five minutes for me to be like tops on a good minute. Um, to realize, uh huh. You know what I mean? I can only imagine when you were reading that. What you're, you were like, what? Like, you're like, miss me. I was going through my research no. and they kept talking about Texas. And I'm like, what the heck is all this Texas talk? This has nothing you're to like, do with what I'm Texas. talking about. You probably thought you were on the wrong page. I you did. know what I mean? You're like, am I in the right spot? Yeah, like, if I wouldn't have scrolled up and the, like, the research that I found wasn't up there. I would have thought it was a mistype. But to this day, us Midwesterners, we don't give up. Sorry, a sweetie needed a drink from their hydro flusks. Um, Midwesterners, we don't give up. So they still believe that the cases could still be connected. <laughs> you know, I will say that, you know, we are very determined individuals, you know. We are very, very, very stubborn people. You know, some of us are not as inclined to um, adapting and overcoming. You know what I mean? So, like, 
I can see the flaw in our society over here as to why they may not realize that, you know, that this case is not connected. But um, I'm going to need you to circle back, circle back. And all you teachers out there, if you're listening, you we're circling back and we're circled now. Okay, now just breathe for a minute. Taking a deep breath. Good fiber, good fiber. Okay. Four. They're not connected. They're not. No. Okay. Case closed on that front. It's not connected. Now that we're all in agreement, let's circle back, move back to the Indiana area and regroup. Okay. One, two, three, go. Okay. Well, aside from Jonathan's TED talk, he just went on. Yeah, I really hope that you enjoyed that TED talk. You know, I just, I cannot believe that. I'm triggered. We can tell. Now, all of the cases are cold because they have no suspects. Okay, because they were busy on Texas for what? Anywho. The Midwest investigators still believe that the I-70 killer is still out there. Imbeciles. The FBI. They, you tell me that Miss Federal Bureau of Investigation agrees with Indiana. I'm going to screech. <laughs> the, F- the FBI believes the killer is still alive and is believed to be in his 50s or late 40s. As of, as of the time of this recording. Not thank God that he's a... I don't wish death upon anyone. But like, not So after reading this case, I am promptly moving out of any of the areas that have... Oh, who am I kidding? He's not going to come after me. I'm not petite. Oh my gosh. Sweetie, it's down by Carmel. We're all the way up here. I'm not going to say where, just in case he's listening. But like, you know, like I just, he's not. Yeah, and just in case he's listening, I am moving out of range of I-70. We're not in range of I-70. Um, but I'm moving to Arkansas. That doesn't have an I-70 in it. I love how I just started moving to Arkansas when it's like right below Missouri and she's still chilling there. So I'm actually moving to Alaska. Um, and I know that you only like to drive one road. So I know planes are out of the option as well as border crossing doesn't sound like it's in your option. So like, I'm sorry, sweetie, but you're just going to have to sit me out. Um, I don't have large long ponytail, you know, just couldn't be me. But anyways, that wraps up everything I have for you guys on the I-70 killer today. That was a doozy. I'm triggered. I feel like um, you you expressed emotions to me like you were on a roller coaster and you just... That, I-70 is a roller coaster, I guess. I'm just triggered that... No, but I truly, I just wish that these families would get some form of closure, like some form of closure. You know what I mean? Like, I want that for them more than like probably the average bear at this point. Like, I just don't understand. I don't know. It's crap crap. I'm going to just buy anyone who um, feels like they need to go and be in my 70 killer. And the pink drink with white rice. Um, 
and pray that their serotonin levels rise. Because mine surely do when I have a drink of pink drink with lime eyes. Me too. You no, know, this guy. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'll be hearing from my lawyers for emotional distress. Okay. I say lawyers, like I have lawyers. You don't have lawyers. No. Unfortunately. Furthermore, they wouldn't know where to serve the lawsuit. I just start passing it down I-70. Start whacking it on people that you see with green jackets. I'll start climbing up hills. Okay. Well, anyways, I feel like we have gotten so beyond off topic. Oh, for sure. But I think that's probably going to wrap up this week's podcast. Wouldn't you say, Haley? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We hope that you enjoyed. Until next week, check us out on our Instagram and Twitter pages, Do's and Donuts of Murder Podcast. If you want to send us in questions or if you want to answer some of our questions we may have asked during the podcast, Connect with us on anchor.fm slash deuce dash and dash donuts dash of dash murder, where you can send us in a voice memo that we can include in next week's podcast. If you'd like to give the episode a five-star rating and review, that would be extremely helpful and greatly appreciated. Don't forget to stay till the very end so that you can hear the winner of this week's contest. Until next week. Bye. As you may know, we have been running a contest all week long on our Instagram page, Do's and Donuts of Murder Podcast. It is a contest to guess who the topic or killer of the week is. We'll be running this contest weekly, and whoever gets the correct answer first wins a $10 Starbucks gift card. For all the current rules and guidelines, please check out our Instagram page where the contest will be run weekly. For everyone who participated, thank you so much. We greatly appreciated it, and we are so thankful that all you guys were wanting to get involved on our Instagram page a bit more than usual. This week's winner is Alyssa Harmon. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for participating. We appreciate it so very much, and we will get you your prize very soon. For those of you who didn't win, don't worry. The contest starts back up next week.